Standard Version, Matthew 11, verses 25 through 30. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take your yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Words for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Gracious Lord, thank you for this awesome day that you've gathered your children to praise and worship your holy name. Take the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart imbue them with your spirit, Lord, that we may learn of your easy yoke. And all God's people said, Amen. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father. For this is what you were pleased to do. As Jesus so often did in his teachings and prayers, he started with thanksgiving. So we should also. You see, this was at a period in Jesus' life where he was frustrated that his goals, his objectives, his plans in the Galilean region were not being accepted. He was frustrated. He was weary. He needed help. You see, he offered knowledge and wisdom to all, then and now. However, the religious establishment of the day didn't see the need for any of that because they already had their own. Fortunately, those who were not so highly placed were hungry for what Jesus said, were hungry to watch him work. You see, the religious elite knew that they were learned and wise. They knew the laws and the scriptures inside and out. They knew truth at least in their opinion. They knew that they had chosen the correct path to walk. But did they really? You see, their unrepentance led God to block them from seeing his wisdom and understanding. Yet, much lower people were able to accept the teachings of Jesus just as young children. Jesus was thankful that the hungry, the lame, and the poor, in other words, 
those weighed down by life's issues, concerns, problems, those bearing the weight of the world, were open to his teachings and accepted them with open arms. They were hungry for truth. They were hungry for acceptance, hungry for freedom, and most importantly, hungry for love. Scriptures tell us repeatedly that wisdom and knowledge are not to be despised, but to be sought after. Over and over, scriptures tell us to seek wisdom. You see, when we consider ourselves learned and wise, we set ourselves up to trust only in ourselves, not God. We use our resources to advance our goals, our objectives, not God's. We can do everything in our strength, not his. We can become insensitive to the pain and suffering around us. However, when we get outside of ourselves and we get into God, we can reverse all of that junk. When we get into God, we forget about ourselves and we can focus on him and his goals and his plans. You see, when we get away from ourselves, we're freed up to rely not only on, not on our strength, but on his. Getting into God and away from ourselves lets us see the pain and misery and suffering around us. Not only that, but when we can see it and we're in a right alignment with God, we can reach out a hand and we can do something to alleviate it. Passage goes on. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. You see right there, Jesus stated that his only job was to make the Father known far and wide in every place on earth to all people throughout all time from his presence on this earth until the very last day. Jesus' words tells us that the Father has already given him everything. He is only known by the Father and whomever he chooses to reveal himself. Thank God that Jesus chose to reveal himself to us. Amen? Our recognition of Jesus can only come from the Father as a gift from the Father. We might call that provenient grace. But how do we receive this gift? Have you ever watched little children? Most of the time, they have an extraordinary ability to trust 
people that they don't know. When I was putting this together, I was reminded of a time when uh, my wife and daughter and I were up in Cherokee and we were visiting the McDonald's because it was lunchtime. And my wife and I were a little bit distracted with getting the order and getting everything and finding a seat. And we lost our daughter. When we found her, she had gone over to an older gentleman and was just reaching up for a hug. This guy, <laughs> there wasn't anything appealing about him. He was old, he was weathered, he was dirty. He was a hot mess. When I look back on it now, he might have been working outside like a farmer or a tourist guide. He wasn't greasy and stained like a mechanic would be. I think if I actually recall, there was dirt under his fingernails where he'd been working in the weeding. You see, that day, my wife and I, we wanted lunch. But our daughter, God love her, she wanted affection and attention from the only person she could find that would give it to her. You see, when we all accepted Jesus, we had to become like my daughter in that, in that story. We had to blindly and openly trust somebody we didn't know. That's what God meant when he says we must become like children. Trust someone we don't know. Trust someone foreign to us. He did not say he wanted us to be childish like the religious elite of, his, of Jesus' day were but to trust like a child. So far from today's passage, we've seen thanksgiving and pronouncement. We've seen thanksgiving because God gave Jesus strength to continue his work while dealing with the spoiled Galilean brats in Jerusalem who had everything their way and refused to be swayed from their original opinions and knowledge. We have seen pronouncement in Jesus explaining his vocation. Now I can hear you asking, what's the difference between a job and a vocation? Job is something that we have to do. We have to go to work to bring in money to pay the mortgage, pay the rent, uh, pay the car payment, pay the insurance for everything that we need to or want to do in life. A vocation, however, is our mission, our life's purpose. You see, Jesus' job was to die for our sins. His mission, his vocation, on the other hand, was to love us into a relationship with the Father, the Holy Spirit, and himself.
There's a third part to today's passage that we haven't considered yet. It's the invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All right, I'm going to kind of date myself a little bit on this, but uh, how many people here remember Fred the Baker? <sighs> yeah, he was the head baker at Dunkin' Donuts, for, and we watched him on TV for about 15 years. And every morning when it was really, really dark out, he would get up early, he would trudge into the store, and he would make the donuts. And there was one tagline that he always had. Time to make the donuts. And he repeated this several times throughout the day. And then after the first few batches were made, he let everyone else in the kitchen take over, and he turned around, and he put on a great big smile, and he welcomed all the customers coming through the door to get their fresh donuts. By his appearance and actions, wouldn't you say this guy was a little weary and a little heavy burdened? Here he was, caught in the loop of doing the same thing over and over and over and over. Yet in the repetition and drudgery that was his life, he found his purpose. He found his mission and vocation. Granted, his purpose was to provide his customers with the freshest product available. God still does that for us when he's the product. You know, there's one thing I've noticed about Jesus' invitation in this passage and any of us others. There's no timestamp on it. It doesn't expire. There's also no qualifications about who can accept it. Okay, there's one. Jesus offers his yoke to only everyone, anyone and everyone, Jesus offers his yoke. Being weary and heavily burdened doesn't just necessarily mean at work. Have you ever struggled with how you were going to make your next car payment? because of all the debt that you've got. From experience, that's a heavy burden, very heavy. Are there any here struggling in a relationship and looking at the possibility of a divorce? Won't a situation like that really weigh you down? Won't that really make you weary and exhausted? 
What about chemical dependency? Isn't that a heavy burden, trying to figure out how you're going to get your next fix? All while trying to appear normal? What about the burden of sin? Whatever it is, aren't you burdened trying to hide it? Trying to deny it? Trying to avoid conflict about it? Trying to truly repent and walk away? These are the kinds of burdens that Jesus was talking about. Not burdens that give strength like weights at a gym, but burdens that rob happiness and create hopelessness. Burdens that destroy life, not create it. And then Jesus talks about rest. He's not teaching about a good night's rest or a comfortable nap in a hammock or a nice vacation with the family. Jesus is asking him, us to ask him to take some of, no, wait a minute, all of our burdens. He wants to carry them all. You see, we can have rest for our souls because we can know peace after we give him our burdens and let him get rid of them for us. When we let him have them, we don't have to worry anymore, which is burdensome enough worry. How can we find rest when he invites us to take his yoke on us. Hmm. Rest and yoke. Two opposed ideas. Rest implies release, surrender. While yoke implies toil, submission, discipline, and duty obligation I don't know about you but that doesn't sound very restful <clears throat> until we read the last part of that sentence we can take his yoke and learn from him because he is gentle and humble in heart still taking a yoke doesn't sound very restful Learning doesn't sound very restful. See, I just graduated about five years ago with my bachelor's. And I know the five years that I spent in school learning were anything but restful. I just received a promotion a couple of months back. And I've been busy learning my new job, and trust me, Learning is nowhere near restful, nowhere near peaceful. peaceful. Actually, it's been chaotic and stressful. But that's all right. Let's look at it from another perspective. 
Those of us familiar with agriculture know that a yoke is a thick wooden cross piece that joins two animals together. Now the principle behind it is very simple. Two can share the load and make it lighter. However, oxen were typically paired, one older and seasoned one, and one younger, headstrong one. The older one was able to handle the load easier because of his size, his wisdom, his knowledge, his experience. He was a, the older one was able to lead, while the younger one does not have to wonder what to do because he's there to learn from his mentor, the older one. You see, as the younger one learns through mistakes, through guidance, he develops the knowledge and skills to teach those coming behind him. He's corrected. His path is straightened. And in his teaching those behind him, he becomes the old wise mentor. Can't you just hear the old, frock, the old ox paraphrasing Fred? Time to plow the fields. Can't you just hear the younger rocks? Let's go. Move it, old timer. You see, when I was a coach at a job many years ago, I used to teach. Speed kills, but consistency will carry you through. Can you see how that principle applies to so much? Especially when Jesus, the older ox, patiently, gently guiding us younger oxes. Our load will be easier because he treats his disciples as yoke fellows, not like camels or donkeys that you just pile on and pile on and pile on and keep moving until the work is done. Another reason to consider Jesus' yoke easier is because it fits better. His demands grow out of our need. Isn't hate a greater burden to carry than love? Forgiveness lightens a load while anger only makes it heavier. Doesn't compassionate mercy feel much better than outright pity and shame? When we accept Jesus' yoke, it means that we voluntarily surrender to working alongside Jesus and being guided by him. Accepting his yoke means working, moving, being, action words. Being yoked with Jesus means taking action. It's not about a vacation from life, but it's about diving into a relationship with him and learning from him to grow our relationship with him. You see, 
early on, God commanded us to observe a Sabbath. This was meant to be a day to be, not to do. He gave us six days to do. He knew that we needed some downtime to be, preferably with him. We are told in his word to be with him frequently, yet not forget that we have work to do. When Jesus ascended, he left us with his vocation, a passion for the lost in the world, and a charge to bring them all home. We misinterpreted Sabbath along the way. It was never about being lazy and not doing anything, but it was about being centered on God and the life that he intends for us. Sabbath was about obedience and working in the Lord's ripe fields. When we consider a yoke, we need to understand what it does and does not symbolize. It does not mean being alone, struggling with our burdens. This view might let us focus on our cultural proclivity to turn everything into an individual enterprise. On the other hand, yoke also symbolizes our faith life or discipleship. It depends on our relationship with others, God first, and then whoever is the recipient of the knowledge and wisdom we have gained by being yoked to Jesus. You see, first we're yoked with Jesus and learn to become disciples. Then we are yoked with other people and become the discipling mentors. Mentors, just like Jesus was and is. We're never unyoked from him, but instead we take on a separate yoke as we become disciplers, mentors, guides. Funny thing about a yoke, it is all about being in a relationship. It is about commitment. It is about being partners. All relationships are about investing time, energy, and attention. Maybe Jesus summed up his yoke a little differently and better when he answered the Pharisees' question about the greatest commandment. Matthew shows the exchange this way. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. I'm sorry, all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That day, Jesus took that questioning Pharisee into his yoke and guided him gently with these words. Jesus, the seasoned ox, instructed him to love God with everything he had in him, 
not just the laws written in scriptures or the prophetic messages that spoke of Jesus' birth, life, and death. Then this Pharisee was to love all those around him like he loved himself, the easy yoke. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In its essence, that's pretty much the very nature of worship. Worship God only, then love everyone as we love ourselves. When looking at a yoke through the lens of worship, there are two ways to view it. First, if we see the yoke as a symbol of a calling to a life of service, then worship becomes a celebration of ministry in the church and in the community around it. When we see this way, the yoke of worship should become a joy rather than a duty. Where we have found God, where have we found God in our life's purpose or our life's purpose in serving? How about your collection of school supplies for Edmundport? How about the two soup kitchens you support? Or the VBS you'll be hosting next week? If your view of Christ's yoke falls into this category, service for you fulfills the definition of the easy yoke. The other way of looking at his, of seeing his yoke as a symbol is as a symbol of partnership with Jesus. If this is your view, great. Then you come together and you worship together. You are part of the community, the body. You have an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus. You are aware that everything you do is in Jesus' presence. You are blessed beyond measure. You are known and you are loved. You are aware of the fact that worship is a visible reminder of your relationship with Jesus and each other. You engage in service, not alone, but with other members of the community. You can't work alone, nor will you. Taking the yoke offered by Jesus means we are learning to grow in our relationships with Christ and the community. Taking Jesus' yoke means surrendering to love in order to learn what it is to be a disciple. Taking Jesus' yoke means giving up our burdens, our challenges, and our struggles while walking the straight, narrow, harder path with a stronger, wiser partner. Amen.